With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Welcome back, everybody, to Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Got some great video content. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. You can follow us on Instagram as well. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is episode 185 of Rams Up. We've all had over one week to evaluate this draft hall of the Rams, 14 players, not to mention a bunch of undrafted free agents. How do we feel about it now? By the way, we're tracking all those signings on our website. So how do we feel about this draft? Well, I had Tom Quartz and Paul Wallia back once again. And this episode is my first half of that roundtable doing a deep dive into this draft. We'll come back Thursday with the second half of that roundtable. The entirety of that is available on video on our YouTube channel, or you can just listen to this one and wait until Thursday for the second half. This episode, we will share our overall thoughts on the draft, what surprised us, what we liked, what we didn't like. Take a look at each of these 14 players. And then Thursday, we'll talk about the undrafted free agents, remaining holes on this roster, and where the Rams go from here. So let's get into that roundtable with Paul and Tom right now. 
Hey everybody, Mark with Rams Up back here once again with Paul and Tom. And like we did last year, we're going to take a look at the Rams draft. It's been a week, over a week since the draft ended. Our thoughts in the draft have had some time to ferment, perhaps. We'll get into it here in a second. How have you been, Tom? What are you up to? Oh, doing great. Just uh, enjoying this uh, very different Rams offseason from the ones that we've had in uh, in the, the last sort of five years. And so, uh, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm really pleased with their direction. And it's uh, it's just a, a kind of a breath of fresh air after the you know terrible year last year. So just enjoying the offseason with the Rams. Yeah, I think someone, I've actually seen this comment several times. This could be finally an interesting preseason where the games might actually mean something as far as player evaluation, especially. What's going on with you, Paul? Uh, everything is fantastic. Weather's uh, great out here in the East Coast. I'm looking forward to summer vacation. And also, uh, like you said, it's going to be a very interesting offseason for the Rams. So every morning I log in and I have my fingers crossed that there can be some uh, some positive news for the Rams. So I'm excited to talk draft. Yeah, I think we may see some things happening after June 1st for sure. So let's start with your overall thoughts on the draft. I'll, I'll go first. I'll try to lay some groundwork here for you guys to bounce off of. You know, I did, I think, 20 mock drafts and just gives you an idea of, uh, I think the only purpose of mock drafts is you can learn a lot about the players. But if you're really taking yourself seriously, that you think you're going to be thinking along with less need, good luck with that. I uh, I think there are two guys, they drafted 14 players, and there were only two players that popped up in any of my mock drafts. That's Kobe Turner and Stetson Bennett. Uh, I drafted them a couple of times, not necessarily in those slots. But everybody else, a lot of these guys were not on my radar at all. So I'm just trusting in Les. He's had a couple of mediocre drafts, but um, I'm hoping he hits on some of these. Um, I think since Brad Holmes left, they may have lost some uh, corporate knowledge on how to evaluate players, perhaps. I don't know, but we're hoping I'm hoping they turn the corner. And I will say a uh, shout out to Paul. You had said you wanted them to draft three edge rushers, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, now, my call on drafting a bunch of cornerbacks did not come to fruition, but uh, that we'll get into that, I'm sure moving forward here. Um, what about you, Tom, overall, your your initial thoughts on this draft? Yeah, so um, I love the draft uh, in general. I like the uh, the types of players that they took. I like especially the the attitudes of the players or the, you know, based upon what they, how they, what they've talked about in their backgrounds. They, they I think they drafted hungry players and, on, you know, uh, so that's, I think, a really important trait, um, increasingly important trait these days. I, I think that uh, that does lead to, as you know, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more. It does, um, when you kind of like a player in particular, sometimes you uh, reach for them or, or, or draft them earlier than maybe that they're slotted to go. Um, but I think from a positional value standpoint, they did a great job. Uh, and really stuck to that early on in the draft and then started to diversify, which they obviously needed to do in other positions. But overall, I like the draft a lot. Um, have a few complaints, um, with, as usual, with some of their early draft picks. But uh, again, something we'll get into. Now, Paul, I have a feeling you're going to not totally agree 
with that uh, with the, with the direction the Rams went in this draft based on some some text messages we shared. <laughs> so I think it was the tale of two drafts. I think if you look at the Rams draft from rounds five down, they crushed it from right. rounds five on. Absolutely, the value they extracted from rounds five, six, and seven I thought was exceptional. I think and I think Tom sort of hit on it. I think when you look at what they did from rounds two to four, they played a very safe draft. They played it close to the vest, you know, to I think to some degree. They definitely need to see a chiropractor from all the reaching. But uh, other than that, I think it was from what they wanted to accomplish. We walked away with 14 draft picks. Uh, they had some very safe picks, a lot of low-risk, high-reward picks. I think that's what they were basically aiming for. They did, uh, I thought, you could definitely see that trend. Older older players that had a very high character grades. That was consistent in the early rounds. In their first, I would say, two, two or three picks, you definitely saw that trend. Um, but, yeah, I think round four was what, where the departure sort of happened. We saw that with the Stetson Bennett, and we and I'm surprised you said about Kobe Turner because you you know I I also had him in a mock, but much much lower. So we'll talk about that. But I thought overall it was a safe draft. It was a Rams draft the way they wanted to sort of conduct it. I would have liked to see them take uh, some more chances earlier on in the draft and go for some more dynamic players. There were some very dynamic players on the board when they went with uh, some of their picks in the third round. But we'll definitely talk about that. But overall, I would give them a solid uh, B plus. Yeah, uh, taking off on your comment, Tom, about hungry players, high character players. Uh, I have a friend who is a big Clemson fan, and he sent me some comments from the coach there about Davis Allen. And you'd think he was uh, nominating him for sainthood. Uh, the guy is <laughs> probably his favorite player ever. It sounds like so. I think we got a good uh, a good one in Davis Allen. Let's see. Um, I'll let you go first, Paul. What was your biggest surprise of this draft, player wise or strategy wise? So the biggest surprise I would say for this draft for me. Um, I would say was Colby Turner from Wake Forest. Uh, not that I don't like him. I, I'll say this for because there were a lot of people, my buddies texting me, you know, who is this kid? You know, and looking him up on ESPN and everything. Uh, he had really high grades for his run defense. He's not just a gap penetrator, but his highest grades came on run defense, which I thought was really interesting. Great NFL body. You see him. He looks like a football player. Um I'm just, you know, and I, I hate saying this because in the draft, it's always, uh, you, you can't really predict when a player is going to be available. I think they could have got him later in the draft. I think, I want to just read off who was available when they picked Kobe Turner. Mark, don't laugh. Guess who was available? Darnell Washington from Georgia was available. Oh, yeah, that's right. He sunk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he wound up. And guess where he wound up? Look, what does Mark always say? This team is going to take him and turn him go uh, any player and turn them into all pros. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> Coach Tomlin, you know, was like had him circled right there right. on the board. Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas was also available. Kelly Ringo, Tom, your boy was available. Um, Isaiah McGuire, the edge rusher from Missouri, was available. Clark Phillips, the quarter, uh, the corner from Utah, great playmaker, he was available. So. 
Obviously, they like this player. Kobe Turner had uh, tremendously high grades for character, leadership, run defense, uh, blue collar, uh, good uh, ability to penetrate the gaps. But to me, I thought that was a surprise, and I thought Stetson Bennett was a surprise. I thought he would also have been – I had him slated more for like round five. I thought that was sort of a surprise too. But, you know, it's hard to say. When you ha- when you like your players, it's better to go get them than take a chance. Yeah. But, I, yeah. Yeah, Turner, I'm, I'm a little confused on that pick because I don't know if they can play him next to Aaron Donald. Uh, maybe they can, but that seems like a pretty lightweight defensive line. Uh, I mean, two really good players, perhaps, but still. Uh, how about you, Tom? What was the biggest surprise for you? Well, my initial big surprise was just because of my uh, predisposition um, for uh, believing not only my own thoughts, but belief that that they would take you know at least three corners, and I said even potentially even four. Um, that they only took one cornerback and waited till round you know till pick one hundred and eighty two to do it. Um, they got a good one in. Uh, THT Trey Tomlinson. Um, but, uh, anyway, so that was my biggest surprise, but just going back to these, since we're on the topic, uh, there's there, I think we all agree that the, you know, the first pick was a solid pick, right. And and he's going to step in and start and, and that's a big need. So great pick there, but the next two picks, I'm not, you know, again, I'm probably my least two favorite picks of the draft. Um, I would, you know, potentially respectfully disagree, disagree, Paul, that that they were safe picks. Um, I don't think they're safe picks. I think they have very low, uh, they have high ceilings, but they also have low floors, in my opinion. These are two very undersized guys, um, no real pedigree, uh, very limited film. Um, Both of them were literally not recruited out of high school um, for different reasons. But, uh, and so you know, just kind of uh, late bloomers. And, um, and uh, the biggest issue there is it at, uh, uh, is their size. I mean, just they're both six, two, um, and, you know, on the edge, uh, and on the, especially at the defensive line, as you were talking about with Turner. So, uh, that was my biggest surprise. I thought we were headed for a train wreck. The Stetson Bennett pick was, you know, questionable, but I understand it's a backup quarterback that they can develop. Um, some upside there, but, and then after that, they started crushing it, you know, from Nick Hampton on, they crushed the draft. So in full agreement with you there, Paul. Kobe Turner wasn't even invited to the combine. Right. So that, you know, talk about out of nowhere. Right. But yeah, yeah. It's like I said, I think that when we talk about the safety scenario, it was more about, I think you could see the role that those two players are going to be sort of slotted in. And it's almost like, you know, no matter what, they're going to sort of fit into that slot. Whether or not they're going to excel, totally different story. But, you know, you see Byron Young. Byron Young's an older player. He's 25. He had a great story. was working, I think, in a, yeah. a convenience store. It was a great story. And you were like, you know, they are going to eat this up. This is going to, this is going to work out great in the draft. He blew up the combine, just absolutely blew up the combine. And that is the recipe in the NFL. They love that when they have these designated edge rushers. Well, once again, and I agree with you. Like, that's what I said. Like, I really think at when you're picking in the third round, they had two really, really nice slots in round three that they could have walked away with some really yeah. dynamic players. I think they're going to regret on the players they passed for Kobe Turner 100%. I also think there was such a drop-off in round two to round three in the talent level, and you could see that. Teams were backing away. 
And it wasn't just the Rams. There were a lot of teams that had a lot of reach picks in rounds three and four, if you notice, right, that trend. Um, I thought that Kobe Turner slot would have been perfect to trade back. Yeah. And get some more four round four, round five picks. I to me, I thought for sure they were going to uh, deal out of that second, third round pick and move back a little. I think they definitely could have walked away either with a later third, early fourth, maybe two fourths, maybe a fourth to fifth. I don't know. But I thought that was the perfect opportunity to trade back. Yeah, my biggest surprise was the same as Tom's, just a lack of focus on cornerbacks. And uh, it leads me to believe they either like Robert Rochelle and a couple of those other guys more than we realize. Uh, it possibly could mean that they know there are some going to be some undrafted rookie uh, cornerbacks that they really like and they can bring in combination of those two facts. But I'm also concerned about the size of our cornerbacks. We don't have a a lot of size back there and in this division. Uh, and I think uh, Tomlinson is going to be a good one, but he just adds to that concern of, you know, um, we don't have any Tremaine Johnsons on this roster, uh, you know, going up against Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf and some of these guys. But, hey, trust in less, I guess, once again. Um, <laughs> okay. The, well, traumatized me by mentioning Robert Rochelle. I need time to recuperate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to just to put a, uh, you know, kind of cap off the conversation about those early draft picks. I, I, I kind of had Nick Hampton and Byron Young kind of in that same range, you know, in that in that mid teens range in terms of edges. And um, and they got what Nick, they got Nick Hampton at 161 and took Byron uh, Young at 77. So um I feel like those guys were both that third, you know, that fourth round, third, fourth round, you know, that in that range. And uh, I just feel like um, they could have, yeah, they could have easily traded back off of both of those picks and just, you know, probably ended up with, you know, 17, 18 guys that were all about the same. Now, what did we like? Let me go first. Uh, it'll be real quick because um, it goes back to these edge rushers. Kind of what you're getting at, Tom, maybe a little bit. And uh, someone wrote uh, on one of the websites, they gave the Rams uh, kudos, actually, for what they called their carpet bombing approach to uh, to the edge rusher problem they have. And and maybe that's true. I mean, they drafted three. Now, I think Deshaun Johnson, I've had, seen him listed as defensive end and edge. So maybe three and a half edge rushers. I think he's. I think the other three are definitely edge: Mathis, um, Young, and Hampton. And and that's not a bad approach, you know. I mean, as you move deeper into the draft, you know, thirty-five, forty percent chance of hitting. And uh, so I'm thinking they're hoping one of these guys really pans out and turns into a really good edge rusher. Um, so I kind of like that approach. Add picks, 14 picks. It just increases your chances of adding impact players. How about you, Tom? How do you, is there yeah, something? No, that, I agree. No, I love the, I love the, uh, the, the, you know, the volume approach, especially in this draft. It's it, after the first, after the first half of the first round, maybe you could call it up till the end of the, you know, mid end of the first round. Um, after that, it just fell off, like Paul mentioned, very, very quickly. And uh, so volume was a great idea. I mean, the Rams got 14 draft picks, one shy of the all-time record of 15 draft picks. 
Um, so yeah, volume was great. Um, I liked how they spread it around. Uh, I mean, just to, just to touch on this, you know, they do have some issues at a couple of their positions. And so, um, I think you were going to get into that with a different question later on, but, um, you know, where do we still have holes, but, you know, clearly in my opinion, cornerbacks, one of those, uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought I like the approach in general. Don't like a couple of the early picks, love the later picks. And, um, but there was no way we were going to fill every hole with this, uh, with this draft, no way. Yeah. So when you do your spring cleaning, just like Tom said, you have you know way too many holes that you can fill the via the draft. So you got to do your BPA work, and I think they did. And like I said, uh, I think when you look at their tail of two drafts, look at the Rams draft from round five on, and it's it's a plus. It's a plus plus. So t- let's take a look. You know, uh, let's start with Georgia Dog McClendon. Like our last segment, this was the tackle I said out of Georgia. I love this kid. And he could play anywhere on the line except, you know, guard. He could probably guard, tackle. Fantastic. Davis Allen, his size. And, you know, you got to go back and double-check the size, right? Because the college rosters, they always round up by an inch and a half. He's legit 6'6", right? His combine numbers were actually legit. He was 6'6", 238. Go back and watch his tape. Fantastic at contested catches. Yeah. Very smooth. Looks like, you know, a legit pass-catching tight end. So and I a great blocker. Yeah. yeah. And he was physical. The only thing was, you know, and obviously it comes with coaching, the technique part of it and everything else. Didn't break as many tackles as I thought for his size, but a lot of potential. Now, let's just stop and think. Let's take Tyler Higby out of the mix. Bryson Hopkins and this kid. You got you could have a lot of fun with letting these two kids play. Think about that for a second. There's a lot of fun there, a lot of young players, and you got your hunter along as insurance. So, I like I like this pick. Uh, I really would have liked Darnell Washington, but that's besides the point. I won't let that go, right? Uh, my boy, uh, Puka Nakua, to me, very reminiscent of Bobby Trees. I, I love – that's who he reminds me of. He reminds me – he has a, a lot of Robert Woods in him, right? Um, I like that pick. I thought it was a great value pick. Um, Hampton linebacker from Appalachian State. Oh, love this kid. He's like lightning in a bottle. Uh, they call him undersized, 6'2", 235, but he can rush the passer. And that Appalachian State defense, they run a 3-4. He plays the weak side dog position, which means he comes on every play. So he's got designated pass rusher written all over him. And sneaky sneaky feeling, because the kid's tough, he might even get some looks right next to Ernest Jones. You know, and some of these like blitz schemes that might yeah. be interesting. Because that yeah. is a position that they also they really didn't address as much as I thought as the linebacker spot. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I think they found yeah. yeah, I think they found some guys in the uh, uh, some undrafted free agents. We'll talk about later. And I'll to take off on one of the things you mentioned before we go to Tom here. Uh, another thing I really liked is the the versatility of some of these offensive linemen. They got guys they can plug in almost yep. anywhere. Uh, Avila, McClendon, um, Coleman, Shelton—guys that can really—they can really move around. Uh, AJ Jackson, so they get a lot of flexibility if they anything close to what happened last year happens again. I certainly hope and not. And a health, healthy Logan Bruss and a healthy Logan Bruss, I, right? Hopefully. Yeah. What if Logan Bruss turns out to be pretty good and Avila is as good as advertised? Suddenly we have a, a pretty uh, darn good offensive line. What about you, Tom? What did you especially like about this draft? Yeah, well, just to just to, I love the. I think we've said it already, but I love the the picks from uh, you know Nick Hampton on. Is just, just 
<laughs> I think they just crushed it. I mean, by far the best. I mean, they had the most picks by far. So it's easy to say. But I think virtually every one of those picks, until you get to maybe the, the last couple of picks or, you know, or could have been anybody. But um, but just love those six, seven picks uh, that we talked about, those fifth and sixth round guys. Um, but, you know, one thing that um, I'm sure talked about a lot, uh, maybe somebody's mentioned it, is the uh, the, the connection between uh, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. So um, so have you guys heard this story? I do not think so. Yeah. So Puka Nakua, obviously out of BYU, but he initially went to um, Washington, right? And he went there because of his uh, – relationship with junior Adams, the wide receiver coach who was Cooper cups coach at Eastern Washington. So there's a connection there with uh, Cooper cup, which is um, never a bad thing. So uh, whether it's Bobby trees or Cooper cup, we'll see who he, uh, he ends up looking like, but um, uh, yeah, no, I just love, I love some of these later picks and we talked about Tomlinson uh, and um, uh Zach Evans, I love. Um, that was a, I think, a really good late round pick. He was, he, you know, a very strong running back. Um, you know, kind of had third and fourth round grades. Really, just fell for some reason. Uh, even Jason Taylor had fourth and fifth round um, grades and uh, and fell. So that was a great. And just you know, down the line, just great, um, great picks uh, late in the late in the game. And Tomlinson is LT's nephew, by the way, LT21. Yeah, right. And if that's he why he went has, to TCU. That yeah, he was going to so. go to uh, – I forgot where he was going to go. He was going to go somewhere else. And uh, and uh, LT told – you know, begged him to go to TCU. And I got to tell you, I love I love this kid's competitiveness. When he fell to yeah. round six, I could not believe it. And it was largely because of his size. If you look at his size numbers, he came in a lot smaller than I anticipated. I was like, holy yeah. cow, I looked at his combine numbers. Watch his film. This kid is an ultra competitor. How can, how can you be LT's nephew and not be a competitor? But the kid produces. He has a great technique. for, And that TCU run, that was a great run. Think about it. They were the national championship game. And you know, he was a pivotal part of that defense. He played lights out. Um, so I, I think he's also a great value pick in round six. So it just gets better and better when you look at those five round five, round six. So, Tom, is there anything that you especially hated about this draft? I think you already gave it away, probably just the top end, or is there a specific player that you didn't like? No, I, I, I liked everything they did. I liked, I, I'm, I'm okay with the Stetson Bennett draft. I posted, it's too long of a quote to read, but Mike Giannitti, the uh, head guy at Spot Track um, on his podcast, uh, he said, uh, he said, you guys aren't, yourself. I'll paraphrase. He said, my favorite quarterback pick in the draft. And I know you, you know, my audience, I know you guys aren't going to like this, but it was Stetson Bennett. Give him two years, give him a year or two, um, on the bench to get uh, familiar with that playbook, um, behind Matthew Stafford and, uh, you know, something pretty interesting may have may come of that. So, um, I love the, I love the spot track guys and the over the cap guys. Uh, <laughs> given my predisposition, but uh, to, you know, to the, to the cap and the uh, roster building and stuff. But um, yeah, that was his pick. So I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, uh, you know, after that, it was just lights out, but those, those second, those second and third picks, not, not big fans of it, but again, they have, they have low floors and high ceilings. If they have, if these guys come out, especially Byron Young 
lights out and, and tears it up, then these guys are geniuses. But um, unfortunately, I think there's a, be- a bigger uh, chance, unfortunately, that that these guys are not going to uh, not going to uh, contribute like they uh, like everybody hopes. About you, Paul, what was your uh, what was the thing you disliked the most about this draft? Um, I don't like I said, I don't like the bang value that they got out of round three. You know, I, I, I think it was like I said, I think they went for all right. You know, when you look at X, Y and Z. So, you know, I think so. Great example would be uh, we talked about Colby Turner. Um, you know, I do think he would have been available later. But for whatever reason, you know, they might have more information about teams that may like him, whatever. He did grade out, like I said, very well, but he wasn't invited to the combine. So I find it hard to believe that there were teams fighting over him in the third round. You know, but Byron Young, um, I could understand, but there were other edge rushers available. Right. They took him, and I and I got to say, my favorite, I, we talked about it last segment, Ojolari was available. Right. right. They took him, right, I'm sure Tom agrees, they took him over Ojolari, and they took him over Hall from Auburn, who also graded out very high on leadership, very high on character from that Auburn defense wasn't um fully developed as a pass rusher but neither was young you know young and ended up with the seahawks young Young carried a grade of a round four round five going into the combine when he blew it up he went right up to like round two right with the classic combine player that we see in the nfl all the time but when you talk about edge and we talked about it last time was that that speed element to, in the NFL, to them, translates to success at the edge, and that's what they, that's what they did. But I still say, at round two and three, I'd uh, you want accomplished, established players. I will say this about Avila, that I was surprised he was available at thirty six. I really was because he was the number one rated interior lineman on everybody's boards. Um, great player. Everybody knows the talk about no sacks and five hundred and fifteen reps. Uh, the TCU run, uh, I think what sold the Rams on him. And I think the only thing I see on his tape that, you know, obviously is his size in a zone scheme. He's going to have to get down to like 325, 320, right, just to for that quickness and everything else to play in, in that zone scheme. But uh, the one thing I will say, and he does have those T-Rex arms at times, right? He plays with the elbows close to the body instead of locking out. But his interviews – just like last year when I talked about Salier, this kid had great interviews. And one interview in particular stands out for me, and I think that's why the Rams were – he they were like, he's perfect for our locker room. They asked him some questions about the success at TCU and you know his future, and all he did was talk about his teammates. He spent the entire interview talking about his teammates. Yeah, I heard a story about the, new, the coach at TCU uh, when he took the job – he wasn't sure what he was getting into. I forget the coach's name. And he, they walked him out to the practice field. And he wasn't sure how good this team was, what he was getting into. And the offensive line was running through some drills. And Avila was out there. And he his eyes were drawn to that offensive line and their workout. And it took him 10 seconds watching them. And he said, oh, we could actually be pretty good. Right. And, and it was a lot of that was due to Avila. So that's a pretty pretty interesting story. I wanted to talk about some of these players specifically, and uh, we hadn't. I don't think we need to talk about all of them. We've talked enough about them, I think. Uh, but 
Um, let's see. Um, what about the running back, Zach Evans? Uh, he was a surprise to me. Hadn't been on my radar at all, but then you read about him. Sound like his career in college got derailed for a number of reasons, but he's a guy that could be a home run. I mean, a high, high, high ceiling, high floor, high ceiling, low floor type of guy, definitely, I guess. And I think he he's very similar to Cam Akers in a lot of ways. Did you guys? I assuming you all like the late pick, so you must love this pick as well. Yeah, he was um, he was a very highly touted player coming out of high school. Like he was the he was the highest rated player out of Texas, I think, or uh number three overall, the first running back out of Texas. He was the second rated running back, I believe, behind Bijan Robinson um in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Uh but you know, just extremely highly touted coming out of um high school. And uh, you know, just he he, he got into college and just it feels like he's uh, it's kind of like a freelancer. He's not he's not he's he's not very fundamentally sound. Um, you know, he probably got away with it in high school just out of pure talent and uh and didn't continue to improve on the fundamentals. So that's his that's the knock on him, but his talent is there for sure. He's obviously he also had some injury problems. Um and uh you know, both uh you know, in, in the musculature and in and, and the and the skeletal as well as in um uh, with some concussion stuff. So there's a lot of uh, reasons that he fell. I mean, it kind of all added up, but uh, we got a really high ceiling guy there. I'll tell you that. That was a, that was a, a, a great pick. And you have any opinion on Zach Evans, Paul? Yeah, sure. So I was thinking more about, so the Rams, when you look at what they have, they spent a high pick on Kyron Williams, right? We got Cam Akers. And, you know, Mark and I always talk about this. We need a back that's going to move the chain. So I was thinking they were going to go for that kind of back, right? We had talked about that before. Uh, they went in a different direction, right? And Zach Evans was a TCU transfer, right? It's like, you know, like you had mentioned. Um, he is not a big back, but he's a fast back. But when you watch his film, he shows a lot of toughness, breaks tackles, runs downhill when he needs to, um, had some injury concerns. You know, he might contribute as a kick returner early on until he works his way into the mix. So that might be definitely has that home run hitting capability. Uh, The one knock on him, they did say he's a big fumbler. He has a high his ratio of attempts to fumbles is exceptionally high. So uh, the other way, fumbles to attempts is is exceptionally high. So um, that's just something to keep in mind. But like I said, you know, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, definitely has the tools to succeed, needs to put on a little bit of weight. He looks to me a lot like a lot of the criticisms about him were the same that they had for Jameer Gibbs. You know, is he big enough? Can he carry the load? That type of thing. Um, And also, you know, he wasn't able to be the main guy on two college teams. So that always is a question mark in a lot of uh, scouts' minds. However, in round six, can you complain about getting a home run hitter like this? right. That's what yeah, you have to look at. It. Talking about a move the chains type of guy, we may have found one, the undrafted uh, rookie, Tyon Evans, the Louisville. Yeah. I don't know if he'll make the team, but uh, he's that type of guy, I think. Well, we'll talk about the undrafted rookies a little bit later. Um, how much do you guys know about, uh, I'm, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, o- Ochuan Mathis. He was another guy that uh, I had not 
I was really completely unaware of him, to be honest. So the Nebraska linebacker, um, he is, once again, sort of playing it close to the vest. He is a great length, 6'5", 250, long arms, does uh, really well at locking out the edge. Reminds you a little bit of, you know, when you look at that 3-4 Staley defense, right? Very important, right? Strong side linebacker has to spill everything back to the middle. So I think the attractiveness there is more about how he plays the run. Uh, He's got good, you know, good potential for the pass rush. Numbers weren't like, you know, off the charts, but is a good developmental player. However, play can play the run well, has the physical attributes to play the run well on the strong side. The, the mindset might be, uh, Hoyt, is he going to be on the strong side or the back side? If you put him on the back side, you can maximize his pass rush ability because of his size if you play him on the strong side. But can he handle, uh, you know, playing the run as well as the pass down after down without losing that, that pass rush sizzle? So might be a rotational piece, but, you know, that's the way I look at him. That's what I see. Yeah, he was a little bit of a uh, one of the few, I believe, reaches in that um, in that uh, late in those later rounds. Uh, they must have really liked this guy. Um, most boards kind of didn't have him, you know, didn't have him being drafted. Just kind of a priority free agent, I think. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, he's. Uh, I think, like, I think, like, you know, Paul said, he's he's really just physically sound um, and. Uh, but he's just really underdeveloped in his um, in his uh, you know application on the edge, and and so um, you know we'll see. He just has great raw talent, and uh, and just a lot of upside. So they must have just liked that. Uh, they, there's obviously a theme here in uh, the Rams draft. It's um, high ceiling guys that are uh, high character, older, ready to ready to go, if you will, from a um, age perspective, um, but. Uh, but high ceilings because of some gap, either undersized or, or underdeveloped. And uh, they were willing to reach on a lot of those guys. And so uh, if they hit, it's going to be great. And if they don't, it's going to be a disaster. I wanted to talk about this punter. And we had talked about special teams, drafting special teams before the draft. And I think we all kind of agreed that, uh, at least I think we agreed, that they might draft one special team or a kicker or a punter and they would have the pick of the litter, so to speak, of uh, free agent long snappers and such. And that's kind of what happened. And what I really like is they found a punter in the draft that can just boom it. And then they signed an undrafted uh, rookie who is extremely accurate, but not a big leg. And then they got the best long snapper out there, I think. But the combination of the kicker-punter the punter they drafted, the kicker was the free agent. Uh, I really liked how they solved that problem. I'm feeling a lot better about their special teams. Uh, it's still going to be a little, we'll still all be a little nervous come game time, uh, you know, three rookies. But I, I think drafting a punter with a big leg was a smart move uh, in the sixth round, was it, I believe? Do you agree, Tom? Yeah. I know you, Tom, I know yeah. you weren't real, you were probably the least of the three of us, the least thrilled with the prospect of drafting a special teamer. I, I again, at the end of the draft, why not? Right. They need, they need all these positions, probably not a long snapper. I would have thought they would have gone with a kicker, but um, they got a good kicker as a UDFA and, and uh, done. And, um, 
And with Evans, they did. Uh, I think they did a good job there too. And they really liked the guy. He's out of a smaller school. He wasn't one of the top guys on the board at the time, but they just they just love his booming leg and, and feel like they can work with him on directionality and uh, and um, and release time and other things that he sort of needs to work on. But um, so yeah, it's it's fine. I, you know, with fourteen picks, yeah, right. taking one um, one special teamer that you really like. Uh, they just really picked him because they didn't want you know, somebody out else to get him as a UDFA. That's really yeah. what they did. So. And, uh, and now I know that Wingate University exists, and I actually know sort of kind of where it's at, too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How about you, Paul? Were you okay with the Ethan Evans pick? Well, first thing, as you can tell by the gray in my beard, I'm very old. So uh, I we live by the old rule. You never draft kickers. You never draft kickers. You get them as UDFAs or you sign them as low-cost vets. But having said that, so Ethan Evans definitely was considered the best punter in the draft. High marks, uh, his hang time, they love it. Uh, he can boom it, no question about it. Did have some experience on kickoffs too, very important in the NFL now, having punters that can do it. His only criticism that said he has to work on was the directional kicking, which is huge for the Rams. Uh, that's their thing with their punters. And secondly is how quickly he can get the kicks off. Right, Wingate very different in terms of the, uh, you know, uh, competition level. So that's like the hardest transition really for punters is how quickly can they get the punt off and still get that uh, degree of hang time as well as distance. So, so yeah. So, so that said, yeah. you're you're not a big fan of the Jake Moody pick either, then. Uh, I mean, other than Ray Guy, <laughs> who can we talk about? We're really kickers that are getting drafted pan out, but. Listen, hey, listen, to each team, each to their own. Everybody has their own strategy. You know, the Rams, uh, as you both alluded to last time, like you said, might be, you know, prepping for next year. So they're building the roster from the bottom up, really. So worst case scenario, they have a strong bottom half of the roster. Yeah, the the 49ers situation, it seems like they've got a pretty darn solid roster, except for maybe kicker. And you – we, what about quarterback? Maybe they're the team that should have drafted Stetson Bennett. But yeah, for me, kickers, you know, particularly when you talk about special teams, listen, it's called the third phase for a reason. You know, teams that pay attention to special teams, they do well. Teams that overlook special teams and really give it lip service, they pay the price during the season. And when you talk about place kickers, you know, it, it, it's a hard reality for, and it's hard to digest. Place kickers translate directly into wins. They are the ones that are on the field with one second left on the clock, whether they make it or not, translates directly into a win. So this Matt Gay scenario and how they're going to resolve it is going to probably translate to at least two wins or losses in the season. Right. So who else have we not talked about? Uh, What about Jason Taylor? Thoughts on Jason Taylor, uh, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I I had mentioned him before. I think he's a – you know, he was a, a really good, uh, a, re- a really good late pick um, uh, as a safety. I mean, I, he, you know, sort of had him kind of in the that fourth, fifth round range. So I think that was one of their, their you know, been great pick at what, 234, I think, or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, just, just super excited. I think he has a chance to, um, that's one of the areas that they, uh, you know, obviously their whole entire secondary is uh, in need of players, but he'll, he'll, and plus he's going to be a great special teams player. Like he fits that mold 
that they like. So he'll definitely be a, a solid special teams player, probably a standout special teams player for us. Um, having lost so many of those guys that we lost uh, in the, um, you know, with, with the purge, the big purge. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, looking forward to seeing him. Um, he's a, I think he's a, a bigger guy uh, than, than, um, you know, some of our other guys at that position, say uh, Russ Yeast and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think he has a chance to do well there. So, yeah, so Jason Taylor, um, I think he slots really nicely behind Fuller. He's got the size to come down into the box, uh, has has some good coverage ability. Six interceptions last year. Surprising, right? Six INT, so he's productive. And we know the theme that Les Needham and Coach McVay have been talking about since last year. They want that production on defense. So I think he slots really nicely behind Fuller uh, because that, you know, the critique on him was has to improve his tackling. But coming out of college, that's like 90% of all college D-backs. They have to improve their tackling. Uh, play recognition was another uh, questionable attribute. But got high marks, hard worker, uh, great work ethic, uh, works well with the coaches team leader, uh, positive influence in the locker room. So you, when you take a look at it and, you know, also I, th- I agree with Tom. I, I th- when I look at him, I think he's going to contribute right away on special teams. So I think it was a solid pick for that late in the draft. Yeah, great pick. Um, I think we've talked about every player except Deshaun Johnson, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, any thoughts on him? He was another guy that was not on my radar and, uh, you know, a guy that gets drafted as Mr. Irrelevant. That probably happens uh, with, a, with a lot of mock drafts. He probably wasn't showing up. Any thoughts on him, Paul? You seem to be the guy that does uh, a little bit of a deep dive on some of these players. What do you know about Deshaun Johnson? I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Well, I, I did not even have him as a draftable player. I had him as a UDFA. However, and you notice all the linemen that they took, fall around that same range, right? 6'2", 290, 6'2", 285, with that Aaron Donald effect, so to speak. They want those penetrators, those short, uh, low-to-the-ground guys. So he's described as a penetrator. He had good production. And if you look at his TFL and sack numbers, uh, good penetration capability, quick off the ball. Um, You know, the ability to defend the run is the question. Um, But, you know, if you look at what he was drafted for, he might be that, you know, time to give Aaron Donald a breather type scenario. So, um, you know, we'll see how it plays itself out. But once again, late late in the draft to get a player like that, uh, once again, he's described no red flags when it comes to character or anything like that. You know, fits in perfectly for a seventh-round pick. Any thoughts on him, Tom, or any other player that you wanted to add anything about? Yeah, I mean, just, um, yeah, Johnson, again, he's, you know, yet another undersized defensive lineman. So uh, I think they think everybody is uh, is uh, Darren Donald or even Kalijah Kinsey. So I'm not sure, but, uh, but I mean, it's just like, so, um, but but maybe they, maybe they think it's the, maybe they think it's the future. I don't know. I mean, clearly I was going to mention this earlier, but, you know, if the Rams, if the Rams, the way they're going so undersized and, um uh, if, if that, you know, maybe that's their next, uh, innovation, you know, and they were, they were doing the trade high picks for, for, for players. And then the rest of the league started doing it. I weren't the first ones to do it, but they sort of did it on mass. And then it, it, we saw what happened last year and then they couldn't trade high picks for, for, uh, 
you know, superstar talent anymore because everybody else was doing it. So it caught up with them. Maybe this is the next innovation. I mean, that's one thing that struck me and um, is undersized defensive linemen. If these guys develop and uh, with some skills and obviously who better to teach them than Aaron Donald, then uh, it could be something tremendous. But uh, yeah, that's he falls into the same mold um, without the physical freakiness of, uh, um, you know, say uh, Kobe Turner. Tom and I are going to wear Ashawn Robinson jerseys for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, we want our three hundred and thirty pounder back. We, we need the we need the run stopper. We need that yeah. one run stopper on the whole team, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and um, oh, maybe maybe Bobby Brown's that guy. I don't know. Maybe there's there's yeah. someone they have in mind for that. There were some really big D D tackles available too throughout the draft, and I mocked a few of them because I thought the same thing. You know, uh, just throw in a big beast in the middle there. Um, but situational, to think of a situation of, of uh, value, right? The draft value um, that when you look at where Greg Gaines went and where Ashan went in free agency, you can see that those guys are not highly valued unless they're freaky athletic. So they didn't draft any of those guys just because they can be bought, they can be bought on the free agent market really cheap, and um, and so. You know that's 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 another reason uh, that they if a guy is small and better and athletic and can play on the in the on the uh, defensive line in, in the interior defensive line, then that guy's going to be worth a lot of money. So um, you know it's that's why I think they didn't draft a big beefy guy. That's the first half of our roundtable. We'll be back Thursday with the rest of it. Undrafted free agents. Some final thoughts on the draft remaining holes on this roster and where the Rams go from here. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com and don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Until next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe, Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamama. your legacy. Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.